0: and a voice like Lauren Bacall. That's after you get a start in the business, which requires great legs, willing hands, and passable knockers. Passable? Hold on, mate, these knockers took work. I started knocker exercises at 13. Race-fit knockers, I'm sure. You might have given me a bit more notice of this. I heard the petulant tone of my voice. The long fingers squeezed my thigh. Wasn't any more to give, she said. They rang, they offered the money, they wanted me soonest, just like me, without the offer of money. The airport exit loomed. There's a lot of food in the boot, she said. Perishables. I was at the Vic Market yesterday. I'll park, I said. No, do an illegal at the International. Don't switch off. I'll get my bag out and be gone in seconds. No farewells, my father said. He couldn't bear goodbyes. I thought that I would have liked her father, a farmer crushed by the bank and a tractor, gone without a farewell. We travelled in silence. It was starting to rain. I couldn't find the wipers. She showed me how you did it. This car, I said. Keep it at your place. Drive it. I'm coming back for this baby. Baby. Also, I forgot to switch off the fridge and freezer. Do that for me. Only if you'll promise to keep yourself nice. Of course. And if I don't, you won't hear it from me. I went up the ramp and stopped behind a taxi. Linda took my head in both hands and kissed me, hard, pulled back, kissed me again, mouth open a little, a decent kiss. "'More,' I said. "'Baby.' "'Later, baby. Wish me luck.' I nodded, not inclined to speak. She leaned across me, hair against my face, and made the boot rise. She took her travelling bag from the back seat— brushed fingertips across my lips, and she was out, plucked her slim case from the boot, closed the lid. I saw her go through the doors, not a backward glance, gone as if posted. I drove home with something lodged in my throat, and travelled at a measured speed beneath the high, cruel lights, no urge to overtake anything, smelling new leather, hearing the soft sound of the Italian wipers like the breathing of a sleeping child. At the old boot factory, I parked beneath the oaks. The mobile rang. Tomorrow, said Andrew Greer, my former partner-at-law, I will be attempting to spring a client now languishing in remand. Thereafter, your expensive services will be needed. Andrew Greer was on his feet, long feet in narrow, shiny black shoes, everything about him long, all the visible things. Your Worship, he said, the defendant is a person of impeccable reputation who is traumatized by what has happened. There is no risk of her absconding. She will vigorously contest the charge against her and looks forward to the court clearing her name. I ask that she be granted bail on whatever conditions your worship deems fitting. The magistrate looked at the prosecutor who rose. He was a sad man, not at all the state's Doberman, more its stiff-legged Labrador, looking forward to the day's end, the worn spot by the fireside, the piece of dog as his head came to rest on his paws. No objection to bail, your worship, he said. I could see by the movement of Drew's head, the way he looked at his client, that he'd been expecting a fight. The magistrate didn't ponder the matter. Sixty thousand dollars, passport surrendered, report once a day, court adjourned. Nothing showed on the woman's face except that she blinked rapidly. When she spoke to Drew, she inclined her head towards him, almost touched his chin with her forehead. Her name was Sarah Longmore and she was charged with murdering her former lover nine days before. I went outside. It was raining in the same half-hearted way it had been when I left my abode after daybreak. The media were on the pavement, print journos and photographers, many of the latter skin-headed, three television reporters touching lacquered hair, camera and sound people worried about nothing, complaining, smoking, spitting. A black four-wheel drive a small one with tinted windows, arrived and double-parked, the getaway transport. Drew and the woman came out, both tall, both in black overcoats. She was supposed to be in her mid-thirties. She could have been a seventeen-year-old ballet dancer, sharp cheekbones, short dark hair combed back with the left parting, over-exercised, living on vitamin pills, cigarettes and chocolate. The media surged, Two wiry, short-haired women in casual clothes appeared and shepherded the pair. Sarah Longmore held her chin up, looked straight ahead. For her, no dark glasses, no undignified attempt to hide it.